This is the Hospitality Podcast, your B2B show for the best thought leadership in the industry, bringing you education, information, and inspiration, only on MarketScale. Hospitality is a people industry. You don't want to take away that human element. You hire the kind of employee that's going to act like an owner, that's going to have that initiative. Welcome to today's episode of the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. I'm Tyler Kern. I'll be your host today. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of the show. Coming up on today's program, we're going to be talking about recipes and not that kind of recipe that immediately pops to mind, but the recipe for success in both restaurants and reward programs. That's what we're going to be looking at today. And our first feature is going to be a conversation with David Scott Peters, the founder of therestaurantexpert.com. And he's going to discuss how to just find the right balance of social and professional energy in a restaurant. And he'll also talk about how low unemployment affects the industry and how a relatively recent social behavior has really complicated staffing. So that's going to be the first feature of today's episode. Really taking a look at the right ingredients and the right recipe for success for a restaurant. The second feature of today's episode is going to come in the form of a conversation that I'm going to have with our digital editor here at MarketScale, Jeff Short. And we're going to dive into a recent article written on the website as part of the Office Hours series, written by Dr. Michael McCall, where he assesses the challenges that rewards programs face as they move forward. And he raises three specific questions for companies to consider when it comes to these kind of programs. And Jeff and I are going to walk through those questions questions and those issues that he raises and really try to flesh them out in a little bit more detail. You can also go read his article on the Market Scale Hospitality website. It's a fantastic article. You want to go check it out and read all of the entries in his series under the Office Hours series there on the Market Scale Hospitality website. But Jeff Short and I are going to walk through those issues that he raises and really uh, discuss them in a little bit more detail on this week's episode of the podcast. That's going to be our second feature of the day. So again, we have a lot of exciting content coming up on this week's episode of the show. But first, before we get to anything else, let's dive into that first feature of the day with David Scott Peters coming up next here on the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. I really like food. I'm just going to go ahead and get that out there. I know for a fact you're quite fond of the food yourself you've been able to see it from the creative side basically your whole career right yeah i grew up in my family's restaurant and catering business worked for the toughest manager i know if anybody's listening's ever worked for your mom you understand how hard that is but uh, i've seen it from my stepfather being a chef being creative all through my career um being in the restaurant business uh literally on both sides of, of the, the fence if you will but I'm really not a culinary guy. I'm more an operations management hospitality person. With that said, uh, the experience I've been given, I can run anybody's kitchen. I just have zero knife skills, if that makes sense. What common threads are you able to pull together regardless of the size of the client? Well, the biggest thing is in the restaurant industry, especially for independents, and that's whom we primarily work with, uh, it's passion. I mean, no matter whether you had a passion to have the greatest experience for your guests, whether it be a sports bar or a fine dining restaurant, whether it be quick serve, whether it be you want to bring out a product that most people aren't aware of and change the, the awareness, whether it be healthy or, or a product that, that nobody's really ever heard of, it might be something that you grew up with. 
Well, it doesn't matter what it is. The, the incredible part is when you have a passion for the restaurant industry, for hospitality, creating memories for our guests, it involves everything. It involves the product you put on the table. It, it involves the drink that's put on the table. It involves the service, the atmosphere, you name it, product quality. And so the common, the common thread, if you will, is if you get into the restaurant business, you better have a passion for it because the bottom line is this is probably the toughest industry I know. And in fact, it can eat people up like there's no tomorrow. If you don't have passion, you're out. If you do, you're going to learn some expensive lessons, but you're ultimately there to take care of the guests. And that's going to bring you success. When we're talking about expense, one thing that always fascinates me about cooking in general and not as a career, but just as an activity is just how expensive higher quality utensils can be. People can spend like five, $600 for one single knife. For most people who are not on a television cooking show or working in some giant five-star Michelin rated restaurant, they don't need a $500 knife. They need a knife that gets the job done. Back of house software is the equivalency that I want to make. If I'm running just my own bistro or a pop-up or, I mean, even a food truck, I don't need a $400,000 back of house system. I need something that I can afford that will give me the same benefits that the big guys get. Well, I, I love the analogy you brought up about the knife. And the bottom line is you could provide any knife to an incredible chef and they're going to get the job done. Now, if I buy an incredibly wonderful knife and I give it to the chef and the chef cooks a private party for me and my guests and put out an incredible event and we go, man, that was awesome because I gave him that knife. Well, no, it's the person behind the knife. It's the skills, the passion, the drive, the, the knowledge, all those things. And when we translate that to say, whether a point of sale system, there are certainly the, the top brands out there that can often be the most expensive, but there's a myriad of solutions out there that do all the same things. In fact, may even have better features at a lower cost, the key is getting the right information. For us, uh, we at the restaurantexpert.com, we're a back office solution uh, and restaurant coaching and training company. And that back office solution, we, we go up against uh, big name companies uh, that work with the chain restaurants that are expensive as all get out to get in. And they require somebody with darn near an accounting degree to manage them. What you've really got to be able to do in today's day and age is harness that information. Because one of the things you talked about is the expense of running a business. Our margins have been disappearing year after year after year. I've been in this business 30 plus years, and I can remember when you could run the business based off your gut and your bank account. Today, that's not the case. Our food prices do nothing but go up every single delivery. We have now $15 minimum wage approaching from coast to coast. It is not a matter of if, it's when it hits us nationally. And the bottom line is we have all these things rob us of our margins. We can no longer do like we used to. We actually have to harness the data that's out there to make good business decisions, to actually be proactive about your business instead of looking at a P&L and saying, darn it, look, I didn't make the money I deserve. Instead, we look at it and said, oh, I didn't make it. But what do I put in? What systems do I put in place to change that reality? And you can't do that without the numbers. And so no matter what, no matter where your budget is, we are now in a day and age where we need software. For instance, recipe costing cards, probably the most important 
system in your whole business because without costing out a recipe, you're throwing your profitability to what I call dumbass luck because you name an industry that doesn't know what a product they sell costs and what they need to sell it for to make money. Yet in our industry, we eyeball it. Chef puts out a pretty dish and we go, 1395, just pull it out of, out of thin air. Well, the fact of the matter is with recipe costing cards, data, whatever customers actually purchase from our POS system, we can re-engineer menus and drop food costs three to 7% the first time through. Oh, that's with the same expensive ingredients. That's with just deciding where to place an item, whether we need to reduce a portion size by a different product that may be same quality or better quality, never cheaper quality. We never cheapen it. We get the same or better quality. And we start to do things, get rid of bad items, this, that, the other. And that data is what drives it. So today's day and age, you have to have that software in your back pocket in order to make the changes because today it's, it's really expensive around the business. Does that make sense? Absolutely. One thing that I always found really interesting about the restaurant industry, specifically on the creative side, on the food side, is if the food you're putting in your face isn't good, that restaurant's in trouble. I don't care how good the marketing is. I don't care how nice location is. I don't care how lovely the environment is. If the food's bad, that's a bad move. So that's one data point you have to focus on. You have to make sure the food's good. But those other things, those are all equally important in the success. If you have great food, but nobody knows about your restaurant and it's, you know, on the side of a highway next to a dumpster, not going to get a lot of repeat business. So you mentioned data. There are a ton of data points that any restaurant owner has to juggle on a daily basis. And so Software helps them do that. But another thing software helps them do is communicate their part of that experience with the customer, with the guest that's sitting in their restaurant. What sort of changes have you seen restaurants make to help update that interaction with their guests? Well, when we talk, when we talk about reaching those guests that come in every day and how technology has changed, I mean, the biggest thing is, man, I, I'll tell you, when I got into this industry, I can remember the first cell phone. I can remember when pages were it, but, you know, right, having a pager and calling the office. Well, now we've got these computers strapped to us all 24 hours a day. And in fact, most Internet searches, if not the majority, are now done on a mobile device. So you have to be in a position where you have a mobile ready website. You need to now embrace those things like Instagram. I don't know if you remember when Instagram first came out, restaurant owners complained like, oh my gosh, my table turns are slowing down because these people are taking pictures of my darn food. Just eat it and go away. Well, now we look at it and say, oh, I need to put out food that is Instagram ready. I want every guest to be socially promoting, look, we're in my restaurant. Doesn't this look fantastic? Doesn't it taste fantastic? You have to take advantage of social media. And the only way to do that is kind of your point at, at the beginning of this was you have to take care of restaurant 101 first. Forget about the systems I teach, help, helping you make money, being proactive in your business. If you don't take care of the guest, which is restaurant 101, hot food, hot, cold food, cold, clean, safe work environment for guest employees. Wow. Customer service, incredible product. And that's the point you're driving. And if you take care of that, then your social media reviews and the shares and all those things, that's going to take care of itself. The bottom line is you have to manage it. You have to have a strategy and how you're going to handle Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, Yelp, all these different media outlets, if you will, social media outlets. 
but you have to take care of the guest and it will fall into place. As restaurants have to grow and evolve and improve their experience for their guests and also for the employees, I mean, ultimately, it's a, it's a team game, right? What types of things are you guys doing at the restaurantexpert.com to make sure that you're keeping your playbook updated? You know, the biggest thing is as long as I've been in this business and as long as the industry has been around from the first dining cars uh, and so on, the, the fact of the matter is Nothing has changed dramatically in the industry. Number one, take care of your guests. Number two, you need to be a leader in your business. And so we're always looking at ways that we can help our restaurant owners become leaders in their business because it doesn't matter how good you are. If you can't lead, you're not going to take your business from the bottom and you know reach new heights. In fact, great chefs, great owners often go out of business because they can't communicate with their team. And so then what we do is we teach them the same systems and tools that chains use without losing your independence. We love our guests. We love our employees, but we are going to do what they do, and that's make money. And through systems, you make up for your weaknesses. For instance, the vast majority of us, I have a matrix I've created that you either fall into one of four boxes. Uh, you're either uh, a, a crazy maker who the business, you're a victim in your business. You don't have any systems. You don't communicate. Uh, you are either a pencil pusher. The more you just. You look at systems and numbers, and uh, maybe you're not as patient with your employees and customers, but you're a numbers-driven per person. Or uh, the more you look at becoming the best restaurant out there, the most incredible hospitality, taking your guests, taking care of your employees, the more we become social workers where we often ignore the numbers. Well, with systems, they take the social worker and they, we put budgets in place. We put procedures in place that we can train our management, management team on. And we can set expectations from budget expectations to easily just things like checklists. What are my expectations of the business when I'm not there? Imposing my will without being there, forcing me to look at my numbers, making me a head coach. Vice versa, if I'm a pencil pusher and I, I'm, not, I'm not the most patient, I don't communicate really well. Well, systems force me to communicate what I want for the guest's experience, making me a head coach. And a head coach is somebody who pays attention to the numbers and the systems and pays attention to the guests and the employees. And ultimately, as a head coach, you are a leader. And so the systems part of it, a lot of it, it, it they're tasks. And none of it has really changed dramatically over years. We've just automated it, made it simple. But more importantly, our approach is teaching your management team how to use those same systems and helping owners become leaders in their business. Does that make sense? Absolutely. You've actually created a metaphorical recipe, just the right amount of paying attention to the numbers, just the right amount of social interaction. And if you put those together in the right balance, you're ahead of the game. Absolutely. Amen. Just for a moment, let's talk about some negative aspects because the restaurant industry, hospitality industry is such a weird animal because it can seem up or down on a day-to-day -day basis, depending on what the latest Instagram post was. What's the latest trend? What type of trends have you seen recently that concern you a little bit? Probably the biggest concern I see out there is, especially coming off a down economy, you know, decade ago now at this point in time, uh, where we could find employees all over the place. And now we have 4% unemployment and under. And people are struggling. There is not a restaurant in the United States or really North America that I can tell you is not short a line cook right now. Then we add to it 
the advent of a new generation called millennials. And as soon as anybody hears that, they start to roll their eyes and go, oh my goodness. Well, first of all, let me put a side note on there. Every generation we have bitched and moaned about. So we have to learn how to work with this generation. But this generation does not uh, necessarily look for money as much as they look for belonging to something bigger, wanting mentorship, wanting leadership, um, even more flexibility than our industry already offers, which it's got to be the most flexible industry there is for moving your schedule around and so on. What's happening is we're not finding the employees. In fact, there's a new term out there that I just learned from a, a hospitality recruiter called ghosting. And this is that 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 phenomenon where these people, these millennials, if you weren't, aren't even showing up for their scheduled interview or they're interviewing. They get hired. They don't show up for their first, second or third day of work week. They're just gone. They don't communicate. They just disappear. And so there's this weird phenomenon of ghosting, which is just making it that much harder for us because there's already not a large labor pool and then they don't want to come to work. And so we as an industry have to learn how to become employers of choice. We have to create positive work environments. We can no longer yell and scream or do the things that might have worked in the 80s, the early 90s. We have to learn how to create teams in our business. We may have to pay more hourly uh, as far as uh, the hourly rate goes, but that means we need a budget. And that means we're going to have to lower our food costs and our poor costs in order to handle that higher expense. We're going to have to make sure we have supervision in our restaurant. It's actually a good thing to have managers on every shift taking care of the guest, the employee, making sure the operation works. And so it's a mind shift, especially in industry where we think that our margins are disappearing. How do I add more labor and dollars uh, to take care of that? I think it's safe to say that most millennials probably do not consider extra pieces of flair a really big motivator. So let's talk about some things that are motivating. Let's talk about some positive trends that you've seen. What really gives you optimism? What do you see that really makes you think, okay, this is an interesting direction? When it comes to the employee side of things or the the industry side? Sure, both. Okay. The industry side of things, the, the one of the things that, that kind of is the trend and it's been happening ever since the economy took a crap years and years and years ago. And that has been quick service restaurants have really been taking off. Uh, it is the, the day of opening up a 300 seat restaurant, unless you are in a tourist destination. Uh, those days are gone because the, what it takes to operate them is incredible. So now, number one, the trend has been to quick serve number because the economy People said, hey, well, I don't have to tip there. So they can they might spend the same $12 burger in a quick serve restaurant that isn't a full service restaurant, but I don't have to tip. So we found our customer buying down, if you will, trying to stretch their budget. Well, now we're seeing quick service restaurants that are starting to take off even further and adding technologies to them, which I don't agree with. This is a downside is tablet ordering and things like that, where all of a sudden I can run this restaurant with less labor. And that's probably one of the biggest trends that I'm seeing is how is it we as an industry can expand or open up restaurants and not be dependent on needing X number of employees. The more I can reduce it, the greater chance of success is kind of the thought that I'm seeing out there where I buck the system. It's kind of what you talked about earlier. If I can take care of the guest, I want you all to think about this. 
we all, when we finally get out of our four walls as restaurateurs, we often have a favorite restaurant that happens to be in a strip shopping center in a corner that nobody can find, but they're always on a wait because they're a damn good restaurant. And so if we focus on the guest, we create that wonderful experience, you will be busy. And that translates, the only way we can do that is to take care of our employees, which are our internal customers, our internal guests. And so that positive work environment is critical. We cannot, cannot go through our industry anymore with bullies on the floor, people who are just yelling and screaming. I, I can't stress that enough. Thank you to Market Scale correspondent Sean Heath for conducting that interview, and thank you to David Scott Peters for joining the show. We always appreciate that insight. I really enjoyed that interview and the insight that he provided there. All right, coming up next is my conversation with Jeff Short, the digital editor here at Market Scale, and we're going to dive into the challenges faced by reward systems. So everybody knows about getting points for airline miles and all of that sort of thing. The different reward systems that exist, whether it be for hotels or for airlines or whatever, uh, we're going to talk specifically about airline miles and that sort of thing coming up here on the podcast. But we're going to dive into some of the challenges faced by these programs and some of the questions they need to ask moving forward about how they can best serve their customers and the people that they are trying to reward. So how can these systems pay off best for the company, first of all, and then also for the customer as well. So we're going to discuss that coming up next here on the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. All right, joining me now on the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast is the digital editor here at Market Scale, Jeff Short. Jeff, thank you for joining me. I'm doing well. Um, didn't get a nickname today, though, so I'm a little disappointed already. But uh, yeah, we'll see uh, how this goes now. Oh, dang it. I failed you. <laughs> well, uh, that breaks a long streak of me coming up with a nickname every time Jeff comes on the show. I'll have one by the end of this uh, by the end of this feature here. So, uh, but. We are talking about a series that we have on our publication right now in the, under the hospitality uh, industry page right now called Office Hours, and it's written by Michael McCall, a professor of hospitality business at Michigan State University. And the latest post that he has I found really intriguing, so I wanted to invite Jeff into the studio to talk about it today. Now, Michael McCall primarily focuses uh, on customer loyalty and rewards programs, and he's particularly interested in the wider consumer behavior landscape. So on this latest piece, he dives into several questions, and the first one is, which customers are the right ones to reward with rewards programs? And I think that's a really interesting question that he brings up, Jeff, just which customers do you reward? Because there's, uh, I, I suppose there's some variety there that you could go with. Yeah, definitely. I mean, um, the big example that he brings up is the American Airlines AA Advantage uh, customer loyalty program that's been around for a long time and has evolved over time. But it really comes down to what you just said. The crux of it is kind of who do you reward? So let's take a restaurant, for example. And this is something that he actually does bring up a little bit in the piece as well. So if we go to a restaurant, you and I go to the same restaurant every, you know, or ever so often, but I go once a month and I spend, you know, a huge sum of money. Right. But you go every week and ultimately over a month's time, we spend the same amount of money. You've been there, whatever, four times. I've been there once. 
is there a better customer to reward? Is there a higher prize for one or the other? Is it about how much you spend in total uh, per visit? Is it about repeat patronage, which is a big um, point that Michael brings up in the piece as well. So uh, what he talked about with American Airlines Advantage is that uh, it really comes down to miles. So however you get them is sort of how they've been rewarding. And increasingly, they've also done a lot of different things with having credit cards that are linked up to your account um, with American Airlines or other airlines, uh, their partners, things like that. But um, he brings up the point of, similar to what I just said with the restaurant um, example, so someone coming from California to Europe once a year, they're going to spend a lot of money on that flight. They're going to uh, go a lot of miles to get there, but it's only once a year. And right. if you're a businessman in Chicago flying back and forth to Atlanta every week, you're getting a lot of miles, you're spending a lot of money, but it's obviously lesser of both per trip than that one you know, transcontinental flight. So they've determined that that repeat customer is more valuable right now. Um, and so American Airlines has been bumping those people up along the rewards um, ladder, I guess you would say. Um, so that's some of the uh, takeaway that Michael talks about in this piece. And it's just interesting you know, across a bunch of different industries, whether it's retail or hospitality, um, who do you reward and how do you tier these systems to make everyone happy and, and how does it make sense? So it is an interesting field and every individual business really has to make up their own mind, which is uh, kind of exciting. Yeah, and I think that bumps up nicely against the second question that he asked in the article, which is, which behaviors are the ones that companies should be looking to reward? Are you always looking to reward the, the person that you know, has repeat business and that sort of thing? Or are you looking to reward people who are more willing to share out your company via word of mouth and that sort of thing? Are there other behaviors that you can reward besides just the typical, oh, this is your third time to fly with us or something along those lines? Yeah, and that's a really great point that Michael brings up in the article that I, I really learned a lot about um, is the aspect of repeat patronage. So every business obviously wants to have repeat customers. They want to retain as many first-time buyers as they can to build their base. Um, of course, that makes sense. But especially in today's day and age with all these you know Yelp and review sites, things like that, even just social media, especially with, with airplanes. How many times do you see people, famous people, celebrities tweeting, I'll never fly this airline again, worst right. customer service. So right. even if you have a great stock of repeat customers, if they're doing it, not out of the fact that your product is superior, but it's just convenient and it's the cheapest one, so I'm going to fly this, you know, something like that, you're getting a repeat customer, but are they really an advocate or an ally to your brand? Yeah. And so are you going to reward those people just for doing business with you? Or are you looking for someone that can kind of be an advocate for you? If they had one flight, um, but it was an amazing experience, and they'll recommend that service to their friends or colleagues or whatever, especially in this influencer world that we live in, um, what's more valuable? What should you reward more? And, and so that's another question that every individual company is going to have to figure out. And um, you know, some companies are very happy to be that reliable, cheap, convenient airline. And some, you know, look at an Emirates airline, which is, I mean, the ticket prices start over a thousand at least, right? right. So they, they want that luxury experience. So it's going to be different for everyone. And, and that's only airlines. So that's a, the crazy thing is this is uh, not exclusive to airlines, but, um, you know, every industry is kind of facing these same challenges. Yeah. And I think that's a, a really good point because uh, let's say, Airline A offers the same flight as airline B, but for $150 cheaper, 
It doesn't matter whether or not I'm a rewards member of airline A or airline B. I'm going to go with the one that's going to be $150 cheaper. And if airline A gives me, you know, rewards points for it, that's great. But I was going to choose it anyway. So that doesn't necessarily speak to my loyalty to their brand or to the effectiveness necessarily of that rewards program. It just means that I'm not willing to spend $150 more <laughs> uh, for the same flight. And I, I think that that's probably what people are having to evaluate, right? Is what exactly um, is worth rewarding? And I think that that's a really good question. And I also wonder how you go about then rewarding people for posts on social media or things along those lines. Those feel like really. Uh, nebulous things that are would be hard to quantify, I would mm, say. Yeah, and that's definitely a huge challenge that I don't know if uh, any industry has really quite figured out how to address that. I mean, how can you really? Data provides so much insight now, especially um, with you know retail and hospitality where there's real transaction of data. You can tell who's buying their demographics, where they're from, age, gender, things like that. But you don't really know. You're kind of just taking a, a, on a hunch, you know, will this person or is this type of person the type that might share on social media or I don't know, there's got to be some other ways that are way above my pay grade that they're figuring these things out, but it's difficult. Um, and another thing that he brought up in the article Michael McCall did is the study that he ran with a couple of his colleagues that um, it basically said, you know, two different restaurants, one's a person that is a uh, rewards member at a restaurant and the other person at a different restaurant is just a regular customer. Um, obviously, the rewarded customer was spending more, um, but most of that um, gap in spending, that increase, is because of customers that are getting rewarded. They're moving up the ladder, that tier. Right. So it's not even just enough to have a reward system. You have to really engage with the customer. And kind of the um, findings that he discovered and he talked about in the piece is that um, it's not enough, like I said, to have just a reward system, but you need to quickly get people moving up and seeing it tangibly, like, okay, I, I purchased this, I'm getting the reward, I'm going to stay involved. So that's where the reward system really pays off for a lot of these brands. Um, and I mean, obviously, that's going to be different for every business, of course, but um, right. how you figure that out is going to be pretty exciting to watch. Yeah, and he mentions, and this is kind of speaks to the third and final aspect of his piece, which was how data management plays a role in the customer relationship. And part of that was that by having loyalty customers and that sort of thing, uh, they were able to show them more attention, more engagement, and make them feel special, which is really what, in the end, people crave more than anything. It's just that individualized... Uh, attention that you can get from a business when you are a rewards member and when you do, um, you know, kind of enter that system, I suppose, uh, that is really what matters most to people was that individual attention that they're able to receive as a member of a rewards book program. And so it's a pretty simple message in the end, but that people like to feel like an individual and people like to be, like to feel like they're being treated uh, in a special way. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think. You know, it's not enough to just have a rewards program, but as you move people up through the system, that is really where you're getting that sort of exclusivity that people like and that sort of one-on-one -on -one attention. And uh, on the business side of things, um, when people sort of move or enter into these rewards programs, they're sort of giving up more information about themselves a little bit. And so that way you can really get that data. You can dig into that data. It uh, kind of reminds me, it's not a reward system, but 
um, this project we're working on with baseballism and retail, mm-hmm. um, which we're really excited about, just <laughs> on the side to plug that. <laughs> but um, that'll be coming out pretty soon. But what they were saying as a young startup retail brand is that they didn't necessarily have a ton of sales in e-commerce, but they built up a social following. And then once they got that e-commerce uh, machine going, they got so much invaluable data about, okay, you know what? We're selling XYZ products that are all sort of male baseball oriented, but we're finding that the mothers or girlfriends are buying these products. So there's a lot of interest in the baseball on the women's side of things. And then they ultimately started making women's products, which is some of their best selling items. So um, that insight that you can get just from you know knowing any information on your customers is, is so invaluable. So um, that only gets, you know, exponentially bigger when you have a reward system. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're 100% right. That's Jeff, the frequent flyer short. Jeff, thank you so much for uh, joining me on this episode of the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. <laughs> totally redeemed yourself. <laughs> it was worth the wait. Well, that is all we have time for for this week's episode of the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. We do appreciate you listening very much. As I mentioned earlier, you can find more content just like this. If you want to read Dr. Michael McCall's Office Hours series on our website, you can find it there on the hospitality industry page. The easiest way to do it is go to marketscale.com. Click on the Industries tab up at the top, scroll down to Hospitality and click on it, and there you will find more podcasts like this one, written content like Dr. Michael McCall's series, and even videos and much, much more. So go there. You'll find a lot more content that you can browse and uh, really enjoy. We'll be back soon with another episode of the Market Scale Hospitality Podcast. But until then, I've been your host today, Tyler Kern. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening.